Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is Pastor Albert with today's word. Well, saints of God, as you can see, the title for today's message is Return to Sender. Return to Sender. We're going to be reading from the book of John this morning, John 21. It is the last chapter in the book of John. We're going to read verses 1 through 14. And the word of the Lord, starting at verse number 1, John 21, the word of the Lord says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. They caught nothing. Nothing. Nada. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Turn your neighbor and say, do it right. Hallelujah. Praise God. Do it right. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, and dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there. Isn't it funny where Jesus is, there's fire. Hallelujah. And the fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon, Peter, went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153. Just say that number out loud. Glory to God. There's a reason for that number. 
And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and the uh, took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Glory to God. You may take your seats this morning in the presence of the living God. Saints of the Most High, let me start out by saying whenever a letter is sent out and it lands on the wrong address, the recipient can refuse that, that delivery and write on the envelope, return to sender. And then the post office now understands, hey, we got the address wrong or the sender of this letter or correspondence got the address wrong. And so somewhere along the line, there's wrong information. Whoever's fault it is is not really relevant. The postmaster now knows that that envelope has to be returned to the person who originally sent it because of a miscommunication. In the digital age, even when emails are sent out, electronic mail, when it goes to the wrong email address, it will come back and say the sender is unrecognizable or the address is invalid. Please uh, send with the correct address. There are many reasons why a lot of times we send out information incorrectly. There are many reasons why things don't land where they're supposed to land. There's many reasons for things to go into an incorrect direction or even uh, 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 conduct incorrect in practices, oftentimes even without having a clue. Today's message is going to deal primarily with eliminating wrong information and getting it right. Hallelujah. I'm going to do a four-point message this morning. And the first one is going to be refocusing. How many need to refocus in their life? Praise God. Sometimes we drift. I was saying it this morning during prayer. A three days to victory campaign, we had all these miracles, all these signs and wonders, and it's very easy to just take a breath and exhale and draw back and say, you know what, I'm just going to chill right now. The next point is to gather correct information. The third point once you have that information, follow instruction. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And then finally, be on the right side of things. Amen? Four points this morning. Let me uh, set the stage. We just read that Jesus had already risen from the dead. Mary saw him and his disciples saw them. They actually saw Jesus on the same day that he resurrected. The Bible says this is the third time that Jesus appeared. Doubting Thomas had already put his finger in Jesus' side and in his hand, and he believed. And now here Jesus appears on the shore, and he's watching them from a distance. Glory to God. Let me just say this. The one thing consistent with the many visitations and, and all the people that, that saw Jesus initially, they did not know it was him. It was until he decided to reveal himself where they understood that he was the one. Praise God. There's an account where Mary saw Jesus and she thought it was the gardener. 
Jesus showed himself his hands and his side to the disciples, and then they knew it was him. Jesus stood on shore over here and spoke to them, and they didn't know it was him either. Why do you think that Jesus did not initially reveal himself to people? We could say, well, because he was in his glorified body. Yes, he was. Praise God. But there's a, a greater purpose. Glory to God. Why didn't Jesus reveal himself right at the onset? Why did he choose this message? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus never stops teaching his people. Glory to God. Everything with the Lord is a teachable moment. And sometimes we have to be in the spirit to understand what's going on in the spirit. Oftentimes the reason why we don't see Christ, he's staring right in front of us, but we're in the flesh. The reason why we don't see Jesus, the reason why we don't experience stuff is we remain in our feelings, in our emotions, in our flesh. And God is standing right there, right in front of you, and you can't even see him. Somebody say, stay away from them emotional feelings. Hallelujah. Get them in check in Jesus' name. But Jesus wanted to teach his disciples because they were obviously in the flesh zone. Praise God. And as long as the disciples saw Jesus, they would sit back and let Jesus do all the work, let Jesus do all the miracles. They would continue to be codependent on their leader, and they would remain Toys R Us Christian kids. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Right? Isn't that true? As long as there's somebody in the room that is seasoned with the things of God, you would just let that person operate. It happens now in the church. Prophets are the one operating. The people that have anointings to do certain things, to, that move in the gifts of the Spirit, they're the ones that are obviously doing a lot of the things because of their relationship with Christ. But the reality is God wants that for every vessel in the house. I was just uh, uh, talking to a few people. I don't know who it was, but my son AJ last week went to a different church to preach. That's why we were not here last week. But we went, it was his first invitation to speak outside of Soul Purpose. And when we went there, there were several members of our church, young people, Joshua tribe primarily. And my wife and I were the old folks, hallelujah. But she looks better than me, hallelujah, praise God. I got all these grays. But what happened, which is what I, I absolutely loved, as a pastor, this was a kiss on the cheek from God. That at the altar, while, while, while the ministry was taking place, the entire church, the young people, Joshua tribe, they're all praying. They're all praying. They're praying. They're operating. And they're moving in the spirit. And they're just, they're not sitting down watching. I'm saying 100% of the sole purpose church people were up out of their seat at the altar praying over every vessel in the room. We stayed an hour and a half later after church was over. It was the after party, the altar call after party, praise God. But you understand, there's going to come a point in time, saints of God, where you have to level up and mature in your office. And even Matthew, where's Matthew? Miracle Matt, where are you? Even Matthew, Miracle Matt, he was like this, praying. He just got his miracle, praise God. And, and he's already praying and praying over uh, uh, souls in the room that needed deliverance, needed healing, and needed the prayers of the righteous that availeth much. You see, there's going to come a point in time where you don't have to sit in your seat anymore and watch people do what God called you to do. It comes with the spirit, 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we've been doing for three weeks straight here on Wednesday nights. A little plug. And it also comes with maturity, character in the things of God. When you've weathered a few storms, you're not going backwards. You're moving forward. You start saying to yourself, I've come too far to come back now. Somebody's upset with me? Okay, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We'll pray about it and let's move on. Amen. So, Jesus wanted his disciples to mature. And here he goes on the beach and he comes to spend time with them. And there's, they're out on the lake uh, uh, on, on, a, on a fishing trip. Jesus doesn't want you to just observe, to be amazed. He wants you to operate. Hallelujah. He wants you to mature. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus wants you to mature. Hallelujah. All throughout Scripture, all he wanted to do is mature the disciples because he knew, I'm going to leave you pretty soon, and you're going to have to do the work. You're the one that's going to have to operate. You're the one that's going to have the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit. You're going to have the anointing to go ye. Therefore, you are going to be commissioned. Praise God. Remember when he told Peter, everybody was on the, uh, uh, the boat, and Jesus was walking on the water. He said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. What did he say? He said, come. What is holding you back from just getting out of the boat? And Jesus records in the word of God, it says that Peter got out of the boat. And he walked on the water. He walked all the way to where Jesus is. And the other disciples were like this. <gasps> like if it's something, you know, that they couldn't have the ability to do. But 11 of the disciples chose to stay in the boat and said to themselves, well, let's see what happens. Isn't that what Adam said? Here, Eve, go eat this apple. If you die, I'll know not to eat the apple. Let's see what happens. Go ahead, baby. Go ahead. Mmm, this is delicious. Have some. Well, she's not dead. Let me take a bite. Boom. And now, first time you hear the word fear in the Bible. They're afraid. It was a spirit that leaped in them, right? When we do things in the flesh, we always foul things up. Praise God. How about when the, 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 the multitude of people came on the, on the, on the mountain, and there's 5,000 people, and they're all hungry, and that they said, uh, Lord, what are we going to do? A whole year's salary is not going to He says, you feed them. A whole year's salary is not going to feed this multitude of people. What do you have? We got five loaves of bread and two fish. He goes, okay, bring it to me. I'll show you how it's done. Isn't it? He's always showing us. It's always a teachable moment. He said, Father God, thank you in heaven for this food that we're about to eat. Now go ahead and distribute the food. They're like, this dude is bugging. But they got 12 baskets and guess what? All of a sudden there's bread and there's fish and it's just coming out. It never ran dry. It never ran dry. And the Bible says 5,000 people that day, they all ate and we're satisfied. And then at the end, Jesus said, now go and pick up the scraps. And they picked up 12 baskets of scraps. And I believe each one of those disciples had a bucket so that they could see the power of God. To never again doubt God when he says to go and to do, you just do. You feed them. What about the raging tempest when they were at sea? And they said, Master! Savior, we're perishing. We're going to die. 
Can't you see we're perishing? Can't you see these waves? And Jesus, listen, this is so cool. Jesus is just awesome. He's the man. He's awesome. He answers them and he says, oh, ye of little faith. The King James Version says, where is your faith? And, and sometimes we got to think about it because when we're going through a storm, when we're going through a tempest, a crisis, and we think, oh, my God, what's happening? they got bulldozers in the backyard. What am I going to do? Do you realize, we talked about this on Wednesday, do you realize when the, Lord, when the Lord's word says if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could tell this mountain to go and throw itself in the sea. So if the Lord, listen, you got to catch this. Don't miss this. If the Lord says, where is your faith? It means, it must mean that your faith is even smaller than a mustard seed. How pitiful. That's why he says, oh, ye of little faith. Do you know when Jesus looked at Jerusalem, he called it the city of unbelief. He started crying. He looked at the city of Jerusalem where he's going to set up his eternal kingdom. And he started weeping and crying over Jerusalem. Why? Because it's the city of unbelief. Little miracles were done there. I'm going to say this, praise God, because this is what the Lord is putting in my heart. When there's a, a miracles and signs and wonders, or when people come to the altar for healing and deliverance, what's happening is the, the lack of faith oozing off of people prevents the miracles from taking place. This is a miracle house. This is a house full of the Spirit of God. But sometimes when you got a, a person, a paraplegic, or you got somebody, and the operation of the Spirit, what if they fall? You know what? It was my mistake as a pastor. I should say, you know what? You and you and you, go to the fellowship hall. Have a cup of coffee. Or go to Burger King and order a burger. Have it your way. Praise God. But get out of the room. Praise God. Leave. Sit down. Go take a bath. Go to the shower. Go watch TV. Go read a book. Go do something. But leave the room. Isn't it true that Jesus had to have people leave the room in order to do miracles? Because the collaborative efforts of the doubters can overcome and try to distract what God is doing. It's like a frequency in the spirit. And, and here's a beautiful pattern. And it's perfect. And then somebody comes in. And now it's all, it's all jacked up. It changes the atmosphere. Doubt and unbelief. Jesus is always trying to help us and teach us. He said all of us have been given the measure of faith. But when the Lord says, oh ye of little faith. It's not a compliment. It's a diss. <laughs> it's a slam. Praise God. This is why Jesus says, refocus. First one on the list. Praise God. I don't know how I didn't put that in there. Praise God. Refocus. Let's get back on track. Maybe I put it up there after all. Praise God. Maturity. I'm, I'm behind. Praise God. All right. Here we go. Refocus. Number one on the list. Refocus. Turn to your neighbor, say, refocus. Praise God. Saints of God, it's time to get back on track. 
Let's put the pouting behind us. Let's put the baby behavior behind us. It is time to get back on track. Before the, the, the death of Jesus, Jesus warned his disciples that he was going to go to Jerusalem. He was going to be handed over to the chief priest and to the scribes and that he would be put to death. And in three days they were going to rise again. Saints of God, if I heard those words... I don't think it would have slipped my mind, not even a little bit. When the Lord, when the master, when the, when the priest says that he's going to be handed over, put to death, and in three days he's going to rise again, how do you miss that statement? How do you not stand and wait for the resurrection of Christ? However, Peter didn't receive the report this way. His flesh, his emotions got in the way. Listen to this in Matthew chapter 16. 22 through 23. Then Peter, this is before he, he died. He was in the garden. He says, uh, uh, I'm going to be put to death in Jerusalem in three days. I'm going to rise again. Listen to what Peter says. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. That means Peter's rebuking Jesus. Figure that one out. Saying, far be it from me, Far be it from, from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Listen, a few days earlier when Jesus was in the garden, he said, who do men say that I am? And he says, well, some, you know, they all started talking because they all look at the National Enquirer. They all, they all got the, what is it, the, the, the show on Channel 5. What is it, the TMZ. They all, they all look at TMZ show. They all know the gossip, the dirt that's out with the celebrities. So they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist reborn. Some say you're Elijah. Some say Isaiah. But, but you know, and he goes, whoa, 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 stop. Flesh. This is all flesh. A flesh fest. And then he turns it to the spirit and he, tell, he says, now, but whoa, whoa, whoa. who do you say that I am? You've been with me. You've heard the sermons. You've seen the miracles. You know. You know what you see. You know what you've Who do you say that I am? And his disciples were silent. But Peter, Peter was the only one. At the time, his name was Simon. Simon opened up his mouth. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And of course, uh, uh, Jesus said, no, I will no longer call you Simon. From now on, your name is Peter because you are the rock. Now, he's not the big rock. He's a little rock. He's a pebble. Amen? Petros. All right? But he says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So now, it's very easy, right? The Lord gave him a compliment. The Lord said, wow, well done. Bravo. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed it to you. So now you must be in the Spirit, and now you got all this rhema. And then he goes and tells him about him uh, being put to death and three days later rise again. Now the same Peter that's now full of the Spirit and was able to hear God now tells Jesus, listen, if it's true what you said, we got to do everything in our power to prevent you from going to the cross or to prevent you from going to Jerusalem. I will not have it. He goes, and no matter what, I'm not going to let it. He goes, Satan, get thee behind me. You are an offense to me. 
Because it's very simple. What happens is once we get a compliment, once we think we're somebody, once we think we've reached an office, a level of importance, and we got people calling us titles and all this other stuff, we start to think of ourselves a little more highly than we ought to. And then that's what happens. A little doorway opens up, go, and the devil tries to come in and then hide in there. And then you start speaking stuff that you don't know what you're talking about, and then you open up your mouth. And the Lord has to say, Satan, get thee behind me. I believe wholeheartedly that when Peter spoke, I believe it with all my heart that he meant no harm. I believe he didn't have a malicious intent. I believe that in my heart he really believed what he was thinking. But the enemy started to cloud his mind with these thoughts. The flesh always gets in the way. It becomes a conduit oftentimes for Satan to do his bidding, especially among the brethren. The same thing in this morning's passage. Jesus died and rose again. Instead of waiting on the promise of the miracle, what did they do? They went fishing. Isn't it funny? They went fishing. They went back to what they used to do prior to their uh, uh, invitation to follow Jesus. Because of Peter's great influence, the disciples said, bro, we're going with you too. You're going fishing? Let's go. Didn't Jesus already warn him to stay put, that he was going to rise again? Didn't he say certain things to be watchful for? And now we see Another conversation that took place before the, the, the burial and resurrection of Christ. Luke 22, he said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. That means this was a foreshadowing. This was a prophetic word from the Lord. And he was telling uh, Simon Peter, who would later be called Peter, he was telling him, listen, the devil's after you. He's after your testimony. He's after your ministry. He's after you. But I'm praying for you that when you recover, when you have gotten your strength back, that you would go and strengthen your brethren. Instead, he chose to go fishing. There's a famous scripture, we say it a lot in this church, praise God. Luke 9, 62, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Didn't Jesus call him and the other disciples to be fisher of men? They lost sight of the mission. They went out to the river, but they weren't supposed to go out on the river. They were supposed to go ye into all the world, praise God. They went back out onto the river. They lost sight of the mission. They lost sight of their purpose. They lost sight of the call. He looked backwards. He reverted to where it all began. And he lost his focus. Glory to God. His flesh got the best of him once more. John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits for nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. These are Jesus' words. Amen? 2 Corinthians 3, 6. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. 
Saints of God, this is why it is so important to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and with fire. So oftentimes, people are doing things out of flesh. And I know that they have a good heart. They mean well. They do it with the right intentions. But whenever the flesh gets in the way, there's always something that's going to be compromised. There's always collateral damage. Have to be filled with the Spirit. I couldn't operate a single day as a pastor if I were not filled with the Spirit of God. I, I, I look at some pastors that still work a full-time job, eight hours a day and 40-hour weeks, and some of them 50, 60-hour a week. I, I couldn't do it. Me personally, I don't know how. I have trouble right now managing my calendar right now, and I don't work a, a, a full-time job. This is my life. This is 24-7. It never stops. The phone rings at 3 in the morning. I'm picking it up. I'm right on the clock again. It never stops. It never stops. I need the Spirit of God. I couldn't do this. You know, I'm a man too. The phone rings at 3 o'clock. I don't want to pick up the phone. I'm tired. I have feelings. My body is tired. I want rest. But I'm going to pick up that phone. I'm not going to uh, let my body rule over that. Amen? It's easy to lose hope, it's easy to lose the instruction or even lose insight when you're relying on your emotions or your flesh. This is why it's so important that you don't rely on the flesh. You're supposed to crucify the flesh. Kill it daily, submit it unto God and live by the Spirit. Do you notice that every time in Scripture, I want you to, to hear this and not miss it. Every time in Scripture when Peter went backwards or lost his focus, Jesus started to call him again, Simon. Did you notice that? In the garden when he said, oh, flesh and blood is not revealed this to you. From now on, I'm going to call you Peter. I will not call you Simon again. I'm going to call you Peter. But every time Peter didn't act like Peter, every time Peter lost sight of the instruction, every time Peter was not focused, then God went back and said, Simon, Simon Peter, you remember that old guy? You remember the old you? The one that we're trying to kill? You remember Simon? Simon, Simon Peter, like I'm reminding you, your name is Peter. It's not supposed to be Simon. You got delivered from Simon. You were, you were delivered from that old you. Simon Peter on the beach. Simon Peter in the garden. Simon Peter and because the other disciples followed Simon Peter because of his influence, he said, children, children. You see, when you go backwards in the things of God and when you start acting like a child and you lose your focus, you lose your weight or you revert, then God has to kind of remind you, hey, hello, child. Hello, Simon. Let's get back on track. You see, God wants to bless his people. He really does. He wants to bless you. But oftentimes, we always go back. The disciples were guilty of it. Simon was guilty of it. All the other disciples were guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. God wants to bless you. Second Peter, he wants to give you everything that you need to live this life. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious 
promises that through these you may be the partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Listen, lust is not always sexual lust. When you are lusting sometimes things that, that you shouldn't be lusting, when your eye wants something, when your body wants something, coveting, uh, covetousness and all the other stuff, sometimes lust is not always sexual, but it's always uh, related to the body and to the feelings and the emotions. All right? It's very important that you understand where we're headed this morning. Number two, we have to gather the correct information. The disciples spoke to Jesus. He is truth. He is the truth, the way, and the life. Everything Jesus said was truth. Do you know that we also have Jesus here, and his word is truth. We start uh, understanding this when we're in the word. The word of God is the instruction and information for life. It comes through the word of God. There's too many of us watching YouTube preachers and YouTube prophets and YouTube evangelists. And we see all these YouTube people. I'm not saying everybody is bad and everybody is wrong. But if you're not mature, you're not going to be able to discern what is flesh and what is spirit. If you don't have a, a, a prayer life, if you're not in the word of God, then people will say these astoundingly stupid things. Like it's, it's remarkably stupid. It's mind-altering, perplexing to me. When I hear, there was a, I'll give you an example, right? There was a pastor I saw on social media, and he was dressed to the teeth. Beautiful, better outfit than me, rings and the whole nine. Dude was loaded. You're looking at him, you know he's loaded. Probably drove to church in a Rolls Royce. But he stood on a beautiful marble altar, beautiful. You know what he said? The foolishness that came out of his mouth. He says, I got to keep it real with you, brethren. Adam was not the first man that was made by God. Because there is archaeological evidence that there was a whole group of people. There are skulls. There was a whole uh, a Cro-Magnon man and all the other. There were a lot of cultures and people alive before Adam. And then he starts twisting the scripture to validate what he said. And I'm looking at the post and they're like, you lie, preacher. <laughs> you know, there's some people that have the truth and they know this is garbage, straight trash. You know, people think that cavemen were the first men. Listen, you know, Lucy, the first female skeleton, is composed of like 200 different bones from different bodies. They glued her together and called her Lucy. The first human. It wasn't found in one spot. Everybody's just duped. You've been duped. You've been hoodwinked. Bamboozle, run amok, led astray. You've been deceived. Do you know that the Smithsonian now has 12 human skulls that belong to a human being the size 28 to 30 feet tall? And they say, well, we can't understand. We don't, we don't understand yet, so there's still a missing link somewhere. And once we break the code, we'll put it on for display. You know why they don't want to put it? Because it blows up evolution. It blows up the Big Bang Theory, the, the whole crazy stuff. We didn't evolve. That word is a made-up word. There's no such word as evolve. There's not a single shred of evidence on planet Earth or even in the solar system of evolution. A cat never turns to a bird. A fish never turns to a human. 
An ape never turns to a human. A camel doesn't become a rabbit. An elephant doesn't become a cockroach. There's no proof. It's a made-up word. But there are Christians using that word. My wife knows. I, I despise that word. We don't evolve. Your ministry doesn't evolve. We're, we're evolving. Uh, T.D. Jakes is on record. I'm not saying. He says, my, my thoughts on the gay community, the homosexual life, so my, my views on homosexuality are evolving. Bro, read the word of God. Get back, refocus, T.D. Jakes. Get back to the beginning. Get back to the basics. It's very easy when the money starts coming in. And the Oprah Winfrey's and everybody says, listen, if you do this and you promote my book and you promote this, you, I got you $2 million, $10 million, $50 million. When the money starts coming in, now they're starting to say things like, oh, my position on homosexuality is evolving. Yeah, not me. Praise God. As long as I have my daily bread, as long as my wife and family are fine, I'm good. Praise God. I don't need that. Praise God. Stop watching YouTube preachers. Hallelujah. Get into your word. Turn your neighbor and say, I know he's talking about you. Praise God. He's talking about you. Praise God. I know it. You may not know it, but I know. Hallelujah. Praise God. 2 Timothy 3. This is so important. This is, this is basic. Uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. As that we don't want to be corrected, we don't want we want to be pacified, we want to bobo him. Bobo. We call it a bulb as a pacifier. Some people call it a blinky, a linky, whatever, a beak, beaky, all kinds of words. Listen, you don't want to be a binky Christian. Time to grow up, praise God. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Psalm 119, 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I keep saying this over and over. Psalm 119, you should read it at least once or twice a month. It takes 20 minutes to read, but if you read it, it's loaded with spiritual dynamite. And if you read this and make this a habit, even if you're driving in the car, put the audio Bible on because that means now your spirit is getting the word. You ain't going to be able to, to help it. You're going to grow in your faith. And then there's not a single chapter in the entire Bible that will intimidate you. If you could do that, Psalm 119, a couple times a month, you're good. Praise God. The Word of God is loaded with instruction, loaded with spiritual dynamite. I'm going to read, just paraphrase these, but write these in your Bible. These should all be highlighted in your Word. Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority to trample over serpents and scorpions. Matthew 10, 8, in Jesus' name we are called to what? Cast out devils. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and make disciples. Uh, Genesis 1, 26-28. Dominion and authority over the earth and everything in it. This is for you. He wants you to have dominion. We're supposed to subdue the earth, subdue sin. 
Isaiah 54, 17. We love this one. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Romans 8, 37. You are more than a conqueror. Revelations 12, 11, You are overcomers. You overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of your testimony. And Matthew 16, 18. The gates of hell shall not prevail against God's church. When you start memorizing these, when you start writing these, putting these in your Bible, it's, it's a game changer. The reality is most of us are gathering information outside of the Word of God. Where are you gathering your facts from? Where are you gathering your information? Are you watching Hollywood movies that make demons look like they're more powerful than God? Are you listening to worldly celebrities with all their weird stuff that they're into? The news media? How about this? Unsaved philosophers. Let me give you another one. Praise God. This one might hurt. Praise God. Disgruntled ministers. Disgruntled pastors. That they couldn't submit to the house. They couldn't submit to a leader. So they became rogue agents. I ain't nobody going to tell me what nobody going to tell. And they go rogue agents and now they start their own house church. They start their own prayer groups. They start their own ministries. And then they start receiving money from the people and they're not qualified or legally able to receive tithes and offerings or gifts. Mmm, got quiet up in here. Woo! These are people that I call gypsies and nomads, vagabond spirits, wanderers. They can't stay planted in a house because they refuse to submit. Oftentimes, and I'm going to say it, because I'm going to do a whole message for the women. I've got such good stuff. There is a place for women in the body of Christ. There are women that are leaders in the body of Christ. And I'm going to show you biblically. I just learned one the other week. My, my thoughts have changed. Praise God. Why? Because the word. I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. Folk Phoebe. Phoebe. Phoebe was a, a, a minister, a servant of the Lord. Do you want to know when you look at the word servant? It means diaconisos. That means Phoebe was a deaconess. Praise God. I, for many years, I was like, nope, no deacons, no apostles, and no bishops, right? But right there, the word of God says Phoebe was a deaconess. The word is going to be the game changer. I could be corrected quick. Hallelujah. I'm willing. Praise God. Show me in the word. I'm there. I'm good. But as far as apostles and bishops, the, 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 the debate is still on. I'm serious. And I'm going to break that whole thing down in a, in a class. But there is a role for the women in the body of Christ. But what happens is oftentimes it's the women that don't want to submit to a husband or a pastor or a leader. And so they say, well, you know what? I don't need to do this. I could be Christian in my house. They go and they start their whole ministry. Let me just say this. I'm, I'm going to give it to you right here. Praise God. Turn your neighbor and say, obey the law. Praise God. The Bible says in Romans 13, read it, 1 through 7. Read it. Put it in homework. It says that we are supposed to obey the laws of the land. And if the law says, if you are a pastor or an ordained pastor or bishop or minister, and you're allowed to marry and do funerals and do baptisms, and you need credentialing. That's the law. If you receive tithes and offerings and you are not credentialed, you're breaking the law. 
You're committing a crime. Al Capone went to prison for the rest of his life for tax evasion because he didn't pay taxes on the money that he received on a legitimate business. It's the law. It's not my law. I didn't write it. But there are a lot of people walking around, pastor, 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 bishop, bishop, minister, minister, zero credential. I'm telling the truth. I'm on assignment right now. They want the accolades. They want the blessing. They want the office without the sacrifice, without the cost. Haven't done one single class and didn't study one single thing to receive the credentialing. Yes, can you preach? AJ preached last week. He's not a, a credentialed minister, but AJ's planted in a church. He's a member of this house. He's a worship minister on the drums. He's a director of, of Joshua Tribe Ministries. Is he a minister? Yes. Why? Because he has a covering. Would I send AJ out to marry somebody? No. Would I send him to do a funeral, to officiate a funeral because he's my son? No. Could I have him dedicate a baby to the Lord? No. Because according to the law, you need to be an ordained minister. But we got too many charlatans. We got too much of this in the body of Christ. And then what happens, and I'm saying it because it's true. Then when the body of Christ starts to acknowledge the giftings, you may have a pastoral anointing. You may have a teaching anointing, an apostle, an evangelist. You may have all those giftings or those anointings. But until you put in the work, you ain't that. And when somebody tries to call you that office, that title prematurely, now this is what's happening. Big head. I got, it's not even in my notes, but I got to go there. Praise God. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is why it's so important. You don't have to like me right now, and I still love you. And you'll be my friend after church. Glory to God. 1 Timothy, we're going there. Praise God. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and before I read, just strap in your seatbelt. Okay, I'm not going to go too far because this is going to take us off course, but I need to say what God's putting in my heart to say. This, I'm reading verse 1, this is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless. Other translations say perfect, so we're all disqualified including this pastor, all right? A bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house while having his children in submission with reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how Will he take care of the church of God? And people get mad at me all the time, but it's the word. Verse 6. This is where you got to buckle in now. So buckle up. Buckle up. This is it. All right, we buckled in. Here, here's where it gets tough. Not a novice. Do you know what the word novice means? A beginner. A rookie. F troop. A baby. A baby in Christ that always is hurt. You know how many church hurt people there are? Every week is church hurt. If you haven't been hurt by this church once or twice, stick around. This coming. Hallelujah. I'm working my way around the room. Hallelujah. Eventually, it'll come to you. Hallelujah. 
take a number. Hallelujah. Listen, verse 6. Not a novice, lest being puffed up and with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside. That means the sinners. Lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Listen, you know why I read this? Because if your testimony ain't intact, if your house ain't intact, if you're a beginner, if you're a novice, if you don't have credentialing, then you are on dangerous territory. Therefore, as a pastor, my responsibility is to educate, to teach, and to bring you under the wing and say, let me show you scripturally how you could operate in this area of your life without bringing condemnation upon yourself or without getting yourself full of pride. One, one thing is this. I'm going to say this for the whole room, in, in the whole room. If you're a young man or young woman and, and you have giftings and somebody says to you, wow, amazing job you did today. Amazing prayer. Amazing message. Amazing testimony. If you do this, you're in danger. You're trying to take the glory for yourself. As much as possible. Somebody gives you a compliment. It's okay to have a compliment. I'm not saying that that's a sin. But if somebody says, wow, that worship today, wow, was so powerful. Here's the next words that should be out of your mouth. You already know, to God be all the glory and honor and power, dominion, glory to God. To God be the glory. Listen, you should deflect it. Deflect it like a boing bounce. Bing, bounce off you like a, like a ricochet. Bing, it should reflect you. It should bounce off of you, not reflect. It should bounce off of you. Because if you, and if they continue to say, oh, but I don't care. I'm going to call you this. I don't care. I'm going to say this. It was, it was a blessing to me. Say, brother, don't you know I'm killing the flesh? Don't you understand what's happening here? Please, please, don't call me this title. I haven't earned it. I'm not that office. Don't call me that name. Call me brother. Call me sister. I'm cool with that. Let me put in the work. Let the Spirit of God promote my oil. I don't want to self-appoint myself. You understand? And what happens is oftentimes it's the church folks that do this to the younger generation. I, I got to go back there. Because you ain't reading the word. Because you ain't praying. Because you don't know how to raise up a hand in church and worship God that deserves all the glory, honor, and praise. But when you see a young person that is reading the word, that is praying, and that is worshiping, and doing all the things that you ain't doing, praise God. Then you say, bro, you got a pastor's anointing. You're a prophet. You're an evangelist. Oh, I'm going to pray for you. You're a prophet of God. No, he's just doing what he's supposed to do. It's called spiritual discipline. And because you ain't doing it, you think that the next generation, yeah, they are going to rise up. God is raising up the next generation. But when we adults, when we start getting fascinated by the people that are just walking in the spirit, that's what walking in the spirit looks like. 
When someone calls you to the altar to pray, you come up here, next thing you know, you're like, oh, the fire of God is in the house. Why? Because you're walking in step in partnership with the Spirit. Maybe you do have a pastor's anointing. Maybe you do have an anointing to preach or to prophesy or to even play an instrument or do whatever God calls you to do. But until you've put in the work, until you have been found, how about this? Plug yourself into a church. How about this? Be part of a body. Say, the, the Lord brought me here. I, I agree with this vision. The Holy Spirit put peace in my heart. I'm going to be part of this vision. Start there. You know what I find? Most people that have gone rogue, they're not submitted in a church. They have no pastor. They don't, uh, uh, they don't, they're not good stewards. They don't tithe. They don't help. They don't offer anybody. Do you, you know how you could tell when people are still immature? When there's a function in the church and everybody's gone and just three or four, the same three or four people come and you walk right by, all right, guys, God bless. The food was delicious. Thank you, everything. Peace out. I'm out. That's how you know there's immaturity. Because the Bible says he that wants to lead, you're only qualified to lead to the degree you are willing to serve. If you can't pick up a broom, or how can I help you, sister? Tell me what. I know you're tired. I know you prepared all this food. I know your bunions are kicking. I know your corns are hurting. I know you want to get home. Amen. I know you want to get home. You want to put your feet up on the ottoman. You want to watch a Discovery Channel and look at the fishies on TV. I know that. So let me help you. How can I help you? What do you need me to do? You want me to throw out the trash? You want me to wash some dishes? You want me to, to clean the coffee pot for you? The co you see, as a community, we're supposed to do things together. But we say, oh, that's somebody else's job. Brother, somebody else. He'll do it. Every church has a, a minister in the house named somebody else. Oh, that's somebody else's ministry. Let him do it. Somebody else will come and fix that. And I still love you. Point, point number three. Hallelujah. Listen, I love you. Praise God. I love you people. Don't be offended. Amen. Amen. Right? The truth shall set you free. Glory to God. But the truth hurts because it cuts both ways. Praise God. Number three, follow instruction. Once you have received the word of God, once you've been refocused, then that means there's a set of instructions. God is always going to give you instruction. Turn your neighbor. Here's the word, the word of the day. Obey. Hallelujah. It's so simple. The Cro-Magnon man could understand that. That one fell flat. Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody's with me today. Praise God. I know it's hurting. Praise God. Lucy can get that one. Praise God. Lucy, come back. I'll leave it there. Praise God. Proverbs 14.2. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it is the way of death. When God gives you an instruction, your only response as a Christian should be obedience. And nothing more. We should arrive at some point in our life where we get to a place that we don't no longer need to put out a fleece. There comes a point in your walk where you know that you know that you know 
that God has called you and because you're a revival carrier, you go into a foreign land and you bring the fire. Hallelujah. You go to your neighbor's house and you bring the fire. You stand in the Walmart shopping line and you bring the fire. Hallelujah. And if you see a little old lady struggling and getting pennies and stuff to pay her bill, you take out some money out of your own wallet and say, Sister, the Lord Jesus loves you. I got you. And do me a favor. When you pull out the money to help the old lady out, don't go, hey, I'm here at Walmart right now, Facebook. I just want you to know that the Lord, watch watch what God does. Watch what God does. Sister, I want to pay. You see, oh, praise God, sister. Do it in secret. Praise God. Don't let your right hand know what the left hand is doing. Praise God. So many people miss the glory. So many people miss it because of disobedience, because of doubt. This is why discipleship matters. Glory to God. I'm going to have a t-shirt made. Praise God. Discipleship matters. Why? Because converts are introduced disciples reproduce hallelujah I don't want to be a convert I don't want to be a Toys R Us Christian I don't want to be a Peter Pan Christian I want to grow up you have to be intentional disciples are seasoned in the things of God in prayer and the word and worship and they experience great victories numerous victories it's a lifestyle of a victory and everybody else around you looks and say, man, I, I don't understand. But with this brother, this dude is always having these stories. I, I've been hearing this for years. Why? Because you got a relationship with the Father. It's available to everyone. God wants you to be a mature believer, a better ambassador, spirit-led. Let me give you a story. This one's a little, a little difficult to hear, but listen to this. No, this has nothing to do with anybody here. Amen. Listen to this. There's a guy named Dr. Leo Winters. He's a Chicago surgeon. One night he was awakened by the phone. A young boy had been badly injured in a late night accident. The wounds were so severe that Dr. Winter was probably the only person in the entire city, even, even in that whole region of Illinois, who was capable of saving that boy's life. The fastest route to the hospital happened to pass through a rough area of Chicago. But with time being such a critical factor, the doctor took the risk. He almost made it through the neighborhood and then at a red light, his door was jerked open by a big man in a gray hat, a dirty flannel shirt, and he said, I've got to have your car. The man shouted and he pulled the doctor from his seat and threw him out of the car and the doctor landed on the floor. The doctor Dr. Winters tried to explain the gravity of the situation, but the man was not listening. He shot off in Dr. Winters' car. The doctor ran around for about 45 minutes trying to find a phone that worked. When he finally got a taxi and made it into the hospital, over an hour had passed. He rushed through the doors to the casual, casually, casualty depart, excuse me, department. But the nurse on duty shook her head. She said, it was too late. The boy had passed away 30 minutes earlier. I'm so sorry, the doctor said. My car was hijacked on my way here. The nurse told him 
The boy's dad had got here before he died. He's outside. He's heartbroken. He doesn't understand why you never came to, to save his son. So Dr. Winters walked hurriedly down the hall and saw the man sitting there with his head in his hands. And there was a gray hat on the floor in front of him. And he wore a dirty flannel shirt. It was the same man who had stolen the doctor's car an hour earlier. When he did that, he had pushed from his life the only one who could help his son. His flesh and his emotions got in the way of the salvation of his son. Sometimes God is trying to push you in a certain direction. Sometimes God is speaking to you. And instead of hearing the word, listening, taking heed, obeying it, the very word that just might save you, just might save your ministry, might save your job, might save your family. Instead, we, we put up a guard and we walk away. And this is why Jesus had to say, children, have you any food? They shouted, no. I want to point something out. As frustrated as they were, as discouraged and tired as they were, their hands were raw. But they chose honesty over a lie. They didn't get mad at him. They didn't get offended. They didn't throw insults at him. They just said, no. I want you to listen to this. Instruction follows honesty. If you're looking for instruction from God, what am I going to do next? Where am I heading? What's the next move for me? Be honest with the Lord. Instruction follows honesty. When you keep it real and you not try to justify yourself, then you will hear instruction from God. Too often we play games with God and we justify ourselves and we really don't keep it real. We want to hear from God, but we lie to him and we lie to ourselves and we get on our self-righteous post. This is actually a sign of immaturity, a lack of character, and more importantly, a lack of character and integrity. Excuse me. Integrity. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Our final point this morning as I come to a close. Number four, be on the right side. Casting your net on the right side means to be on the right side of the things. Praise God. Three appearances. They couldn't see Jesus because they were so distracted in their own flesh. Jesus watched them tussling. He called out to them, children. Why? Because they behaved unmature, immature, forgetting what they had experienced. And we can't remain children forever. Saints of God, when you do things the right way, when you cast your net on the right side of the boat, you will find what you are looking for. You will find your fish. Praise God. When you do things on the right side in the right way, it means to do it with the right heart, with the right mind. Do it with the right spirit. Do it with the right attitude, with the right actions. Be on the right side of truth. These men were fishermen by trade, and Jesus made them fishers of men. The very first charge that Jesus told them is to go and make fish. Uh, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. He re-educated them. He refocused them on the mission. 
We can't fish for men reverting back to our familiar ways, bragging about our rotten past with our own understanding. We can't fish for men like that. Praise God. We've got to fish like the master fished and follow his path and do it the right way. Glory to God. The minute Peter understood that it was Jesus, remember he had just denied Christ three times. Jesus was dead and he rose again and he appeared and then later he appears on the beach and he's sad. He's on the boat. He's going back. And now once the fish are caught and he realizes it's Jesus, he couldn't no longer wait. The Bible says he jumped off the boat. He plunged into the water and he came and swam towards the Lord. I want to get to this because it's really important. 153. Why 153. There's a lot of speculation about this all throughout the Word of God, about scholars and theologians. But one thing I know is that the Lord will never put something in the Word that doesn't have a meaning. It's not just happen chance. I said this for years as I read some writings from Flavius Josephus. Josephus. He was a famous Roman Jewish historian writer. He was also a military leader. He lived between 37 and 100 AD and he wrote numerous facts about the Jews, about the life of Jesus. And when asked about the number 153, he stated in his writings, at the time of Jesus, there were only 153 known species of fish in the Tiberias River. He also noted that at that time when this was written, there were only 153 nations known on the earth in that time. In essence, each fish represented a nation that was known on earth. And I've been preaching that for years. But I started digging a little bit more and I found a powerful discovery. Now that my wife has really gotten me into looking at the numbers in Scripture... I went a little bit deeper and I looked at the number 153. Why that specific number? Is it just because of all the nations and of all the fish? No. Many have wondered as to the scripture, why would they have bothered to give us that exact count of fish caught that day? And here's a very interesting viewpoint of the number 153. Jewish people, like many ancient cultures, did not count using numbers as we do. There was no one, two, three, or four, and instead they use letters to designate numerical values. If you were to take the numerical value in Hebrew represented by the number 153, you would have the words Ain Elohim, which translated means I am the God. Hallelujah. You see, God never leaves nothing by chance. He says, I am the one who is doing this miracle. I am the one giving you these instructions. I am the one to tell you to do things according to my will. If you do it as I'm telling you to do it, you're always going to be successful. Glory to God. Jesus is the one that said, I am. God said, I am. Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit are one. He said, bring me the fish. Notice that not only did he have his own fish and his own bread, but there was a fire already cooking. Praise God. 
Jesus doesn't just get satisfied with what he has. He says, bring me everything. I want all the fish. Bring them to me. He died for them all. Saints of God, true revival is when God's people who are called by his name get filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire and immediately turn around and hit the street. Hallelujah. They don't have to go and look for other instruction or get a fleece or put out a confirmation alert. They just go. We can't multiply when we're divided in our spirit. When we have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. If we're clubbing and partying on, on, on the weekend and then we come Sunday to clean up from all the stuff that we partied from. We can't be busy murmuring, backbiting, bickering against each other like little sheep biting each other and walking around in offense, church hurt. And then expect God to promote us to the next level. Acts 14, 21 through 22. Donna, you can come up, sister. And when they had preached the gospel to the city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystria, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations, enter into the kingdom of God. So turn to your neighbor and say, don't curse the crisis. And turn to the other neighbor and say, don't stop working it out. Hallelujah. This very crisis might be ordained of God to mature you, to develop you, to take you to the next level in your life. You may already be on the right side, but the attitude and all the other stuff, it takes you away. Check it at the door. Praise God. There are rewards for the righteous when you are doing things on the right side. I love this, this passage of scripture. I use it on election time. Wait till you hear it, then you'll laugh. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. No explanation necessary. Hallelujah. Spiritual maturity, saints of God, it comes by way of walking in the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You can't forgive, you can't be a minister, you can't lead or preach or do anything without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who gives you the joy, the peace, the patience, even in your trial, even in a loss, praise God. Don't allow hardships to destroy you in such a way that you can't even function anymore. Keep your eyes on Christ. James 1, 2 through 8. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be mature and complete and not lack anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he would receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. Mark 1.15, this is Jesus' words. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Galatians 1.10, do I persuade men or God? 
Or do I seek to please men? For if I please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Saints of God, we are at the end. Jesus is coming. It's our last duty, our assignment to go ye therefore. AJ preached last week about being commissioned as a commissioned ambassador of Christ. You are supposed to remain focused. You are supposed to gather correct information. Stop getting it from YouTube. Follow the instructions that have been given to you by the Spirit of God and then do things in the right place, on the right side. If you're going to go fishing, go fish for men. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Reach souls for Jesus Christ until He comes. Do it the right way and then you'll be fine. If not, they're going to stick a sticker on you and say, return to sender because he hasn't grown up yet. Praise God. God bless you, saints of the Most High God. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.